We would like to welcome you to today's sermon delivered by Pastor Stuart Guthrie. We hope that it challenges, strengthens, and encourages your walk in the Lord. Well, again, we're, we're looking at the sermon I entitled, Trust in God for the Greater. This is part two of Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. You remember last week, we got into the study of the reality that God desires greatness from those who are His children. We notice that each person had a dream or had desires or things in life they wanted to accomplish. And most of that was desiring to do before we depart earth and be united with God for eternity. God reminds us of this in His Proverbs as He says, Many are the plans of a person's heart. Being that that is a true statement, you and I all have plans. We all have dreams. And we looked last week at point number one as under trying to understand that we must understand the who of this text of Scripture. We saw that through this study it was speaking about God. It was speaking about the Lord Jesus Christ and and how God was able to do immeasurably more than we could ask or think or even imagine. We have to understand the who. No matter what's going on in life, no matter the difficulties you're going through, the struggles, the temptations, the addictions, God desires to bring you beyond you into something that can bring honor and glory to Himself more than you could think, pray, or even imagine. So today we're going to look at point number two, if you recall. We encourage one another, number two, to understand we must understand the how. We must understand the who, God, but we must understand how. How are we to accomplish or see accomplished in our lives this greatness that God desires for the body of Christ? So we must understand the how. God is the how that can do what He desires to do in us and through us. And so understanding the how, I think, will be a great benefit for us in our daily walk with Jesus Christ. In our daily walk in, in normal mundane life, when things aren't always the, the, the biblical perfect picture of the lifestyle of the Christian famous. Okay, Life is not always... Um, Bringing people to Christ, everybody just being so open to hearing the gospel every time we go and share our faith with somebody. That's not the reality of the Christian life. Many times when we become Christians, life gets more difficult. We begin to endure that persecution. We begin to see that no longer we walk in with the devil, but we're walking against him. And now he has something to battle against us about. And so many times, difficulties in life give us challenges. And so understanding how it is we can accomplish these things that that God wants to do in us, I think will help us as we live our lives in daily walk and fellowship with the Lord. And I think that asking the question, how is it that we possess the understanding of seeing what God promises in this prayer. How can we see that come to life? And I think the answer is found within the text. And so if you will, let's turn to Ephesians chapter 3. You're probably already there. I've said it a few times, hoping that you'd get there by now. Ephesians three twenty to 21. Now to Him who is able 
to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to His power that is at work within us. To Him be the glory in the church and in Jesus Christ throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. How many this morning walked to church? Raise your hand. Nobody. Okay? All of us most likely got in a vehicle and drove here. You know, I was thinking this morning, how can I communicate that which I want to communicate in the illustration that will help bring it to life? And so I, I was thinking about this, and, and, I, and, and, and I was reminded of an illustration I heard from, a, from a, a very popular pastor by the name of Tony Evans years ago. And he used an illustration and he said, all of us have access to power. When we get in a vehicle, all we do is point the car in the right direction and it gives us the power to get to where we're going. The reality is this morning when you were in the house on the couch watching Charles Stanley prior to coming into church or whatever it is you were doing, getting ready, the car was in the garage and you were in the house. Though the power is still in the vehicle, you're in the house and we weren't in the right fellowship with that to get to where we were going until we got in the car. And so what I'm trying to say this morning is I want you to know, and I want this to be at the, the kind of the top priority of the sermon, is that, that, that God has given each of us power to get to where it is He wants us to go. And not only has He given us that power, He's indwelt us with that power. Through the power of the Holy Spirit. So God's not calling us to accomplish something in life that's not accomplishable. He desires to accomplish and to do immeasurably, immeasurably, unable to be measured. That means greatness, that means lots, that means multiplication process of what He wants to do in us. And He's given us that power in the Holy Spirit to accomplish that. And just like when we get in that vehicle and driving, it's the power that takes us so He's indwelt us with that power that can take us to where it is He wants us to be. And so we have to ask the question, do we realize that as followers of Jesus Christ, born again, regenerated men and women of God, that you and I possess great power and authority? Not, not, not anything that we've done, not anything that we can accomplish, but that which God has dwelt us with, the Holy Spirit. I, I believe in the Trinity. I believe in God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, that they are all the same. Would you not agree that God the Father has great ability and power? Genesis, it says, in the beginning, God created. He caused something to come about that never existed before. To make something out of nothing. That's what the Hebrew word created means. Would you not agree that God the Son has great power and authority? Remember that day those guys were out there floating in that in that. Nice handcrafted boat, probably a Key West or 
a lake and bay or something of modern day, what we would call a boat. They're out there floating in the boat and up comes this storm and, and it starts getting crazy. And if you've ever been out on the ocean, when the storm comes on, it can get mighty crazy really quick. And so this relates to me because I can just imagine the, the waves crashing and the boat filling up with water. And, and remember what God, the Son, Jesus Christ was doing? He was laying in the boat sleeping. And here these guys are, are scared to death. They wake up Jesus Christ. What are you doing sleeping? We're going to die. And so, Jesus gets up. And it says He got up and rebuked the wind and the seas and said, Hush, be still. And the wind died down and it became perfectly calm. Listen, that, that is divine power. I could go out there and scream at those waves in that ocean all day long until I lost my voice and I would have no more power, no more authority over them waves. But Jesus Christ had authority. He had divine power over those waves. God the Son obtains power. And so then we have to ask the question, doesn't God the Holy Spirit obtain power? Remember in 1 Samuel 16, 13, it says, So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brother. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. We find power in the Holy Spirit in creation. Job 26.13 says, By His Spirit He hath garnished the heavens. His hand hath formed the crooked serpent. There's power in the Holy Spirit. Do you realize that there is not one conversion, not one regenerated life, one believer, follower of Jesus Christ, apart from the work of the Holy Spirit, there's power to turn something from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God. There's power in the Holy Spirit. The Spirit dwelt in Jesus without measure. And by that great power, all of the miracles in which He performed were done with that power. The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, whatever you desire to call it, has significant power. So why does that matter? Why does that matter to you guys or to me as the pastor, or you as the, the, the follower of Jesus Christ? Why, why does that matter? Well, I'll tell you why it matters. Because you and I are nothing apart from the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. You and I can accomplish nothing on our own. That is of eternal value. And when we grasp that, when we really understand that, when we really begin to, to click in our minds that, that we can do nothing in our own ability... That we have to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit that God has so graciously indwelt us with at, at conversion. We can begin to be, to be amazing servants of Christ. 
You again might accomplish great things in life without a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Wouldn't you agree? Many people accomplish things. There are millionaires. There are people who do great humanitarian needs and they they feed the poor, they give to the hungry. And many of them are not born again so we can do great things. But the reality is we can't do great things that at, at equal eternal value unless it's done through the power of the Holy Spirit. And to Him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to His power that is at work within us. Listen, I don't know where you are in life, but I do know this, that this passage presumes that we have the Holy Spirit living within us that is full of power. And listen, it is at work in us. It is at work in us. And it's within these parameters of such that God, the who, is able to do great and mighty things vastly more than you or I could ever pray for, ask, or imagine. And we've, able, we've been able to say that for the last two Sundays a lot. Have you thought about that? Have you had a chance to really take that in? That God is able to do more immeasurably more than you could even imagine or ask or pray because it's according to His power that is working in you. That's amazing. That's astounding. To know that the same God that created the universe, the same Jesus Christ who, who raised the people from the dead, who, who healed the lame, who fed a multitude of people, probably 15,000 with a few loaves of bread. It's the same Holy Spirit that lived within us. And so I had to ask myself this week, do I resemble the one that lives in me? Do I expound the power and the might and the grace of the Holy Spirit that God has indwelt me with so that He can do in me and through me more than I could ever imagine? Ask, wow. And I'd have to say no. It's not always the case in my life. Why? Why? It's true. I'm indwelt with the Holy Spirit. He's gifted me. He's blessed me. He's given me opportunities. So why? Why aren't we as followers and believers in Jesus Christ showing this great and mighty power that lives within us? And I'll tell you why. Because without the key element in our lives, we can accomplish nothing. And it's prayer. It's prayer. It is prayer. So we have to ask ourselves, do we pray? Do we really pray? 
You see, what happens is when we pray, we tell God we can't do it. But when we pray, we say, God, we know you can do it. And when we fail to pray, the Scriptures tells us that the Holy Spirit intercedes on our behalf. You see, God is going to bring about glory in the life of the Christian for His honor, for His glory. But how much more glory could we be about if we honored and followed and listened and obeyed God and prayed? I was reminded... Moses there in the wilderness, the people grumbling and complaining. We're thirsty. What did he do? He got angry, and what did he do? He smacked the rock, right? Water came out. You know, as I studied, as I studied that and listened to that, I was not aware that when 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 you go into Israel, and, and I've been blessed enough to go there. They have what they call these wadis. You know what I'm talking about when I say a wadi? They're these dried up rivers that during the, the rainy season are raging rivers. Well, in these wadis, the, the, uh, the, um, what are the people who live out in the, the, uh, the, um, no, the nomads? The nomads and, and, and the other people who live out in, in, the, in the wilderness. Yeah, the Bedouins. That's who I was looking for. The Bedouins. They go out and they search in these wadis for certain rocks with minerals. And what, they, what I did not know is that in these rocks with this mineral, they hold water. And so they go up to it with their staff and they stick a hole in it and water comes out. And so think about that in light of what, what Moses did. You see, they were used to seeing the rocks being broken open and water getting out to drink. But what they weren't used to seeing is Moses speak to the rock. And so what happened in the life of Moses, he took the glory away from God because he acted in his own ability. We need to understand that God desires and will always desire to receive that glory. And we can either try and bring glory to God or we can dishonor God And suppress that glory. And so we need to understand that in our lives, one of the key elements to tapping into this power in which God has indwelt us with is in the life of prayer. Without prayer, you and I can't expect to make eternal impacts. Because we alone, like the many that will enter by the broad road, are without the power working within them. But to the Christian, the born again, he is full of power, full of life, because all Christians at conversion are dwelt with that power, dwelt with that spirit. You've been given a gift for the edifying of the body. Maybe you're living your life, you have no idea what your gift is. And I, I, I would suggest you begin to think about it and ask God to reveal that gift to you so that you can begin to utilize that gift because we'll give an account for how we utilize our gifts when we stand before the Lord. Maybe you're here today and you're living your life and you're trying to get by and 
making sure that you do all that which good Christians do. You're, you're going to church, you're, you're reading your Bible, you're giving to the poor, you, you just feel like you have no power. You don't see greatness in your life. You don't see God doing immeasurably more than all that you could imagine, that you could think, or that you could pray for. The fact might simply be, Stuart, you have to speak to myself and let God speak to your heart. The fact might simply be that you don't really believe that God wants to do immeasurably more. Maybe we're just happy living life and saving up stuff so that when we die we can leave our family with, with things. And our children to make sure they have something. I don't know about you, but I, I, I think there's more to life than that. I think there's more to life than living the American dream. And I want to see that take place, not only in my life, but in your life. For the glory of God. I want to see a power come forth in your life and in my life. I want to see the, the glory of God open. When, when I open my mouth to a lost world, when I go to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, I don't want to just share the gospel. I want to see something take place in their lives because I've been indwelt with the Holy Spirit. And God speaks to me and through me for the edification of the body of Christ and for those who have no faith in Jesus Christ. And I want to see them converted and life change and take place and them begin to glorify God with their lives. Them to begin to, to utilize all that God has blessed them with for His glory and for His honor. I want to see power take place. Because we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. And many of us today are so powerless because we've been living lives in our own ability. Failing to tap into that God-sized potential that so many people die and go to the grave in. One of the greatest and most wealthiest and richest lands in the world is a graveyard. There's so, there has been so much potential and, and ability buried that was untapped. God desires for us to accomplish everything that He has planned for us for His glory. So how? How can we begin to see this kind of life transpire? I believe that you and I have to begin to rely on something other than ourselves, and that is the power of the Holy Spirit that lives within us. To accomplish the work in our lives, we have to grasp that we are nothing apart from God within us. Do we live our lives understanding that on a daily basis? Listen, I, I know just as well as you know that it's so easy to live life every day in, out, the mundane, the same thing over and over and over and over. And then come Sunday, we're drained and we come here and we've never experienced the Holy Spirit in our lives throughout the week. 
We haven't prayed all week long. We haven't relied on the Holy Spirit all week long. And then we come to church and we want to be blessed. And we want to... Listen, I want you to understand that, that there's more to church than Sunday morning. There's more to Christian life than, than Sunday. Sunday is the, is the gathering of the huddle together in a football team. And when we say, hey, break. That's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. That we expand the play. And too many of us, like Francis Chan said, we come together in a huddle, we give the play, and then we say, break. And then we go sit down on the bench. And we never play the ball game. We never play the play. And we do it all again Sunday. God wants us to have a life that's full of abundance full of grace, full of mercy. And I want that life to transpire. And so how can we see that? I believe that we have to begin to rely on the Holy Spirit and trust God for what He said to us, what He's promised to us. And it starts with prayer. You know, this morning we were, as men, meeting and we were talking and and we were saying, you know, well, we need to pray for this and we need to pray for that and we need to pray for this. And somebody said, hey, I got an idea. Why don't we pray? You know, too many times that's what we do is, you know, pray for this and pray for that and pray for this and pray for this. And you know as well as I do, if you're honest with yourself, you've said, I'll be praying for you. And you walk out of the door and you never pray for that person. Why? Because the business of life gets in the way. It's just the way we work. And so I got an idea this week. Why don't we actually pray? Pray. Trust, rely, and recognize who God is. And understand that He's indwelt us with the power of the Holy Spirit. We, we had an opportunity to spend uh, an evening with Miss D and Mr. Ed at their house. And I don't know, I think your cat got saved after, uh, after Pavel prayed. Uh, yeah. Uh, the, the mice and the dogs and everything. I mean, they was all coming to Jesus. Because let me tell you, that dude can pray. Jennifer and I, I mean, the whole time we were talking, it's like, I, I didn't even pray. <laughs> it's like, amen, I agree with him. You know? But you, you know what? You could tell that his life was surrounded with prayer. He wasn't just coming to the, to the meeting and praying one time. No, he's been praying. He prays often. And he has an intimate relationship with his Father. And he relies and trusts in the power of the Holy Spirit to actually move and work and do things when he talks to his Heavenly Father. And I was encouraged. Prayed with great passion and belief. And so it starts with prayer. All the founding fathers... The church fathers, the men of faith, women of faith, were all men and women of prayer. Four and five hours a day they would pray. Why? Because they realized apart from that, they were nothing. You know, again, we have these invitation cards and we give them out. And and honestly, how many of you come to church and are here today because somebody invited you with a card? Okay. How many of you getting out those cards? 
Okay. How many of us, don't raise your hands, honestly have prayed that God would bless that transaction? Maybe if we prayed more, that God would genuinely utilize that hands-on invitation. Brother, sister, I would love to invite you to come to Grace Bible Church. God's doing some neat things there. We'd love for you to come be a part of what God's doing if you don't have a church home. This week was the first time I'd ever had a card given back to me. Gave it to a lady at the gas station. She said, um, I have a church. Thank you. Here, you can have it back. I'm pretty happy where I'm at. I say, amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. But how many times do we really pray about those transactions? Because it begins with prayer. And when you and I pray, we acknowledge to God that we are not able and that we trust in Him to do it. And when we don't, we say, God, I got this. I can do it on my own. How is it that you and I can see God really do more than what we ask for or imagine? And I believe this passage says we have to tap into the divine power that's working within us already to those that are in Christ. Some may have to place their faith in Jesus Christ before they experience this, before they're even able to tap into that, to step away from a, a works-based salvation that maybe they've learned or been taught. It says, you know what, I'm, I'm good enough. I've lived a good life. The good outweighs the bad. You've all heard those folks when you talk with them and when you share the gospel with them, and they have been misled to believe that something they could do could accomplish do you remember? Did you hear that song we sang this morning? Did you hear the song? My one defense is what? His righteousness. That, that, brings, that brings tears to me. Why? Because I realize that the only defense that I have is the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Nothing that I've accomplished, nothing that I've done, no good that I've accomplished saved me. No, sir, no, ma'am. I can tell you what saved me is understanding that Jesus Christ became sin on my behalf, that I might become the righteousness of God in Him. My one defense is His righteousness. Some of us may have to get to that point before we can experience the other. We have to understand the gospel first. That the death, the burial, and the resurrection, resurrection of Jesus Christ is enough to save even a sinner such as me. You see, in order to receive the power to accomplish great things, great and mighty things, we must encounter the power of salvation and be indwelt with the power source to get us to where we need to be. Now, most of you, I understand, are already believers and followers of Jesus of Christ. But there may be many who are listening this morning via the, the internet or are going to watch the video that don't know Jesus Christ personally. And so it's important to understand that in order to accomplish this power, we must have to receive the salvation that Jesus Christ offers us to be indwelt with the power source. Many people want the blessing. They want the benefit of greatness and yet fail to submit to the great and mighty giver, Jesus Christ. 
And maybe today as Christians, we're living our lives, we're, we're, we're doing the, the, the things that good Christians do, but yet there are so many things that we are disobeying God in. And we maybe are living a life in sin and in separation and in, in disobedience. And we wonder why things aren't working out the way we had planned. And many times it's because God is, is, is trying to teach us something before He moves us to the next stage of life. And He wants us to repent and turn back to Him and be, receive that forgiveness that comes from 1 John 1.9. So maybe you're a Christian this morning. You don't feel successful. You don't feel like you attain that great power. And I believe that it's a trust issue for the Christian. And I can say that with confidence because so many times in my own personal life I've failed to trust. Yes, where God has really showed us amazing things as a family as we stepped out of ministry... And God has has really given us every opportunity to trust and rely and to recognize who He is and and His attributes and His His provision for those who put their faith and follow Jesus many, many times still beyond that. I forget and I forget to look back and see what He's done. And too many times I rely on my own power and I don't really trust that He can do what He says He's going to do. And so when I read passages like this, I'm reminded... That God is able to do immeasurably more than we could ask or even imagine. And many times it starts with trusting. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make straight your paths. I preached a sermon on that. Proverbs 3 said, Number one is we need to acknowledge. We need to trust We need to recognize, and then we can begin to see the glory of God. We need to trust, rely, and recognize. See, when we recognize, we we acknowledge, uh, we begin to know who God is. We begin to see the attributes of God. God is love. God is is merciful. God is all-powered. God is sovereign. All of those things, when we begin to realize that God is actually in control of all the things that take place in my life, we can begin to... To trust. You see, you can't trust me until you get to know me, right? I mean, I, I'm just saying, I could be wrong, but, but many times people come up to me and they say, hey, I don't trust you, I don't know you, I can't trust you, I'm not going to give you, I'm not going to go into business with somebody I don't know. So why can we expect that if we don't know God for who He is, that we can really trust Him? Well, we can say we trust Him. But when the heat comes on, and He begins to mold us and to purify us, many times uh, the seed that falls on thorny soil begins to step away because it's choked out by the things of this world. The reality is, is God wants us to trust Him by acknowledging who He is. I'm willing to bet that most of us live our lives without praying. I could be wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. And if I am, hallelujah, praise God. But I believe if we were a congregation of fervent 
praying warriors for Jesus Christ. And not only this church, but churches across America, we would see astronomically more of God things take place. And I can't worry about the church down the road or that church over there, or this church over here. All we can worry about is the, the congregation that God's blessed us to be and worship together and to make sure that you and I are being a praying people, trusting and relying in God. And so this week we, we must, we have to begin to develop a prayer life. Start with a minute a day and work up once a week. And at the end of the year you'll be at an hour. It's an idea. There's this verse which Paul seems to answer all these questions. Paul says, pray without ceasing. When you're driving down the road, when you're walking down the road, when you're working, whenever the opportune moment of silence comes, utilize it to pray. Pray for brothers or sisters in the congregation. Pray that God be glorified through our lives. Pray for that brother, that sister, that cousin, that aunt, that uncle, that grandparent, that family member to come to Jesus Christ. To pray for the needs within this body. That God would bring healing. That God would transform the lives of husbands and wives and children that have gone astray. Prayer the answer prayer is the tool that taps into the reliance of God to accomplish things that power we have that is at work within us is the Holy Spirit and he is able to do far more than you or I could ever imagine do we believe that do we trust that this morning then today we have to begin the process of trusting, believing, and relying, which the only thing it can do is bring us to our knees. Ephesians 6, 8 says, Pray at all times on every occasion. 1 Thessalonians five seventeen says, Pray without ceasing. Well, you know, Pastor, I find it, I find it hard to find time to pray. Listen, I understand. I know the struggle. You know why I know the struggle? Because you're no different than I am. You're created in a human being, and you struggle, I struggle. Christ struggled with the same things we struggle with, and He's our example. And I can tell you, if, if, if Jesus Christ, God the Son, saw it necessary to go and to take time alone and to pray often, then you can bet you and I need to go and take time alone and pray often. And so today we may have to move past different obstacles because God desires that we pray. Calls us to pray and our work and our success depends on God showing up and doing that which He is alone able to do. You see, I can come and I can preach. And I can preach. And I can teach. And I can teach. And I can preach. Week after week after week. And not one seat in this room can be filled. But when we begin to pray, 
See, I can't bring them. The Holy Spirit can bring them. The Holy Spirit can transform us as Christians, as followers, to be mature and found as righteous and holy when He comes back again. You see, we make time for everything else. Would you not agree? I mean, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not condoning you or, or trying to point a finger at you. I'm just, I'm talking to me and going, if it's with me, then I pre-assume it's with you because we're all human beings. We make time for everything else, don't we? We make time to check our Facebook. We make time for our friends, for our family. We make time for food, for films, for fishing. And all the more forgetting to pray. But it's until we understand we are nothing. We can accomplish nothing. We can do nothing of eternal value on our own. Therefore, we must rely on the power that God has indwelt us with. And that's the Holy Spirit. in communicating through prayer. The how is that we can begin to see God do greatness when we tap into the power source that He has blessed us with that is established through prayer. Ian Bounds wrote a book called The Power of Prayer. You see, great book. Great encouragement to understand the necessity for prayer. We must understand the who. That is God. He is able. God is able. Not steward. Not Grace Bible Church. God is able. We must understand the how. It's through prayer and the power of the Holy Spirit that is at work within us. We don't need to suppress that work. We need to encourage that work and fuel the flame with prayer. And finally, thirdly, we must understand the why. I called Dad and I said, I need you to Play this song, Glory to God. And I want you to know the why is very simple. God is able to do far more abundantly than we could ask or imagine. The Holy Spirit that's working within us for the purpose of bringing glory to God. Take my life and let it be all for you and for your glory. Our lives are to enjoy God and to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. That's our purpose as Christians. To bring the Father glory. And so why does it matter that we see God do great things in our life? Why does it matter that we see God do more than we could ask or imagine? I mean, I'm able to do good for the world. I'm able to do good for my family. I'm able to do good for business, for the church, for the community, the homeless, the poor, the needy, the lost world. I'm able to do God a good. Listen, you might be able to do good, but God wants to receive more glory, more honor for His name's sake. God provided water in the wilderness through the rock. He didn't get all the glory. If Moses would have just spoke to the rock, and the rock would have poured out water, he would have received all the glory. 
You see, God wants all of the glory. To Him be glory in the church and in Jesus Christ throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. I'll tell you why God wants, desires more. He wants more. Because we live in a culture where people measure success by number, by quantity. And that is why God says, I can do more. Immeasurably more. I want to see people come to Christ, don't you? Well, listen, God wants to see more people come to Christ. I want to see missions go forth and to reach unreached people groups. God desires to reach all of them. I want to see my family be provided for. God wants my family to be provided for more than I even could imagine or think. I want to see these seats full of people thriving, growing, being encouraged, being challenged, being all of the things that come with being a member of the local body of Christ. I want to see it. God wants to see it more. But it takes place by you and I getting on our knees and relying on God to accomplish the more in our lives. God wants more glory. To Him be the glory in the church in Jesus Christ. God receives glory in the body of Christ and and in and through the works of Jesus Christ. Both the church and Christ are spoken of as the place. When we look at that past, they're spoken of as the place where this tribute of praise and honor is paid. Because God is able to pour out power in the, in the figure of the Holy Spirit, which is an attribute of God's nature, we are able to see this attribute manifested within the local body of Christ. This divine power. In the church, which is the body, and in Jesus Christ, the exalted head of the body. For this, we are to give honor and glory to God. And so this morning, I want to ask you a question. Do you realize you've been empowered by the Holy Spirit in your lives? You realize that as a Christian, when you you accepted Jesus Christ and Christ gave you a new nature, off with the old, on with the new, He indwelt you with the power of the Holy Spirit to teach you all things and bring your remembrance all in which He said throughout His Word. So it says in John 14, Are you allowing yourselves to align up with that through prayer and accomplish that power source to drive you where it is God wants you to be so that He can receive the glory? We should all desire that. And so are we glorifying God? If not, let's don't beat ourselves over the head, right? We worship a a gracious and merciful and forgiving God. That's not the purpose. To to beat ourselves over the head. I'm not a prayer. I'm, I'm going to hell. No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is if we're not praying, if we're not fervent 
men and women of prayer, then today can be the first day of the rest of our lives when we can begin to be that kind of people who pray and who rely and who recognize and acknowledge who God is. And then God can begin to and, and move us and to maneuver us into glorifying Himself with greatness. Through the relying on the power of the Holy Spirit that is active within us as Christians to those who trust in Christ alone. Would you do that this week? Begin to develop a, a life of prayer. Start out small. Don't, you know, like people go on diets and they're like, I'm just going to quit. <laughs> you know, I'm not eating sugar. Uh, that's good. That usually lasts for about two weeks and then bam, we're back on it and we were worse than the first time we started. Okay? Let's start out with small goals that we can actually uh, accomplish. And then when we have become uh, reaching those goals and we can expound on them a little bit more and like I said, just say we're going we're gonna to start with a, with a minute, okay? For somebody who doesn't pray, a minute prayer is, is quite a bit, okay? And so we'll, we're going we're gonna to take 52 weeks and we're going to take a minute a week and we're going to add a minute every week. So in 10 weeks, we'll be at 10 minutes. In 20 weeks, we'll be at 20 minutes. And in 52 weeks, in a year, we'll be at 52 minutes, close to an hour. And when we get to that 52-minute mark, okay, we'll realize that when we look back at a minute, we weren't praying for, for a, a, a smidgen of what we needed to be praying for. Because I don't know about you, but when I begin to write down, see, that's another thing, write down what it is that you need to pray for. Okay? When you start writing those things down, you'll realize that you, an hour, whoo, you can pray for an hour like that. Easy. So let's take small steps. A minute a week, add a minute every week. 52 weeks will be almost in an hour. And you can keep going if you want beyond that. We have to rely on the power that God has indwelt us with, and that's the Holy Spirit. That is at work within us. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for your love.